Hawaii Up for May 6th, 2005. Ever heard of a little thing called the Internet? Aloha and obardan. This is Hawaii Up Show number 10. My name's Ryan and mahalo anuiloa. Thank you very much for letting me into your ears, into your pepeao today. I'm proudly podcasting at you from the very center of the island of Oahu in Hawaii. And, uh, you know, man, I can't believe it's May already. It's That's about halfway. I, I feel like I'm just getting started this year. This has been a crazy week. I've really been looking forward to the show, to connecting with you. I've got some great music. Uh, this will be coming from Polly. I know you're going to love it. I want to take you on a special expedition into Waikiki for a celebration of luncheon meat. We'll check in with the wife as usual, and, uh, you know, to close things out, I thought I'd try a little quiz contest. So stick around, you might win something. Something small, but something. But first, as always, let's get into... Hawaii Up headlines around Hawaii and around the house. Uh, dozens of UH students occupied the office of university or interim university president David McLean for seven days earlier this week, protesting the university's provisional decision to set up a federal applied research laboratory, uh, also known as a University Affiliated Research Center, or UARC, on campus. Now, the upside of UARC would obviously be that big fat money pipe from the government to UH, and, uh, you know, conservative. You know, and uh, conceivably that would lead to research and scientific advancement and, of course, nifty patents and stuff like that. But uh, basically this arrangement to have UH on retainer to do research for the U.S. Navy got some students riled up, both because the deal seemed to have been made behind the scenes and, uh, well, because the research could be classified or made secret by the Navy and, well, would probably involve all sorts of nasty things that you might imagine a defense agency would want scientists to work on. So the protesters, they're a very mixed group. Their backing got even more diverse as the controversy grew. Uh, these protesters maintained that basically military research does not match the higher calling of a public institution of higher learning, especially in Hawaii where environmental stewardship is sort of a big deal and we've already got a rocky relationship with the military in general. So these kids invaded the president's office. They just barged in there, sat down on the floor, and refused to leave. It was kind of tense at first. They were talking about getting them thrown out, dragged out, arrested. Um, but ultimately, you know, I have to say, both sides, I think, navigated the waters of peaceful resistance quite well. Um, McLean, David McLean, for one, I'd say he he did really well. He proposed more meetings with and conversations with the protesters than I think the protesters accepted or proposed in return. And you know, in addition to letting these folks camp out in his office for a week, overnight, over the weekend, you know, these protests were able to organize press conferences there, hold classes in there, bring in food, mattresses to sleep on, other supplies. They were even able to set up streaming internet video of their protest uh, from that office. So, you know, uh, just a really good good relationship despite the adversarial uh, topic. And the protesters, for their part, you know, they were 
generally able to counter the stereotypical image of the college activist. Sure, there was the slightly uh, non-traditional long-haired student there, but it was a really wide group, and with their prepared statements and press releases and uh, whiteboard with a daily agenda and their website, uh, you know, their organized approach really paid off in spades, I think, as far as media attention, certainly, and uh, as well as in the way that mattered most of them, getting UH to back off the UARC plan. You know, McLean conceded that the provisional approval was made prematurely and that, more importantly, that the university would take a step back and have a more open discussion about the proposal before uh, UH goes with this UARC all the way. Now, for all we know, of course, the UARC will still get the green light. It's kind of hard to say no to all that money. But uh, now, at least, it'll definitely be a decision that the Board of Regents can't make quietly. You know, having edited the Daily Student paper there at UH Manoa for two years in the mid-90s, I can tell you firsthand that one of the hallmarks of college life, uh, and well, probably everywhere, but at least especially at a commuter campus like Manoa, is, well, apathy, you know? I mean, you're young, you're in Hawaii, for crying out loud. Why get uptight about anything, right? Hang loose, chill out, go surfing. You know, sometimes it felt like uh, even putting something in 3,000-point type on the front page still wouldn't be enough to get someone's attention. And, you know, at Kaleo at the time, we lucked out. There was stuff going on, and there was definitely still a sense of independence, uh, if not outright anarchy or chaos at the paper at the time. Uh, there was a 71% tuition increase, and that certainly got everyone's attention. It was big enough to prompt a big march on the state capitol, the Death of Education March. It was probably the biggest student action I ever saw while I was there. And uh, Kaleo, the paper itself, heck, I personally got protested too. You know, I was called pro-Hawaiian and then anti-Hawaiian. I was attacked for being pro-gay and, and then, honestly, a month later, I was anti-gay. I was uh, I was sexist, and yet I also enabled these radical feminists. So those were the days, man. And, you know, really since then, UH tightened the reins. You know, Kaleo became more mainstream, I guess, but less, well, less interesting, at least in my humble Sour Grapes former editor opinion. Um, UH even killed off a sister student publication, the Student Handbook, rather than face the possibility that it contained anything daring or uh, anything negative about the campus. Some friends and I, after Kaleo, started our own alternative campus paper, and the administration tried to chase us off. You know, that started a First Amendment battle that got us lots of press, but you know, still wasn't uh, enough to get us enough advertisers to print more than three issues. So ultimately it's gotten so that the best coverage of UH has really been in the city dailies, and just reading them, and my sense has been, from a distance at least, that not a hell of a lot's been going on as far as student activism goes. I'm sure the GSO and ASUH and, and the political science department, they've been fighting the good fight, doing what they what they always do, but I can't really think of any major showdowns, I mean, at least not until this occupation of Bachman Hall, reaching back to a, a, a long and storied history of Bachman Hall occupations in decades past. So, you know, I really don't have much of an opinion on the UARC. I don't think I know too much about it, except to say, I guess I don't like deals, any deals done behind closed doors, and I'm certainly not fond of the militarization of anything. But uh, as far as proving that there are still kids in these crazy, self-centered, dumbed-down, apathetic times, there's still a fire burning in some corners of the UH campus, so, you know, good show, guys. A couple of other items I wanted to mention I saw on KHON tonight that McDonald's is testing a taro pie. Taro pie, folks, it's like their deep-fried apple pie, but with a taro or yam filling. 
it's purple. Uh, it actually sounds like a good match for Huawei, given the whole poi thing. But I thought the most interesting part of the report was that this product, this taro pie, is actually a menu staple in McDonald's in Asia. They already got it. That's where we're getting the product. It's coming from there, not from Hawaii. And, of course, we actually have a taro shortage, so I don't think we could supply the taro for the taro pie. But that's something I'm going to try. You know, McDonald's has all kinds of neat things on the menu here that you can't get anywhere else. There's spam on the breakfast menu. There's Simon. There's fruit punch instead of iced tea. So this is just yet another thing. Lucky you live Hawaii. Taro pie. Also in the news today, a big shocker, ladies and gentlemen, former Mayor Jeremy Boondoggle Harris's 200-page glossy tribute to himself isn't selling well. Actually, isn't selling at all. They said one copy sold since February, folks. So out of 5,000 copies printed, maybe 3,700 of them are just taking up space, and the distributor wants to get rid of them or charge the city just for storage. Uh, and maybe a little over 1,000 have gone out to stores, but I... I would bet they're probably still there. How much you want to bet most of those are going to come back? So this $100,000 vanity publication will probably, I don't know, just giving the city fuel for the most expensive bonfire ever. You know, maybe they should do it as part of the brunch on the beach in Waikiki as a special tribute to Harris. You know, the guy is still on the agenda as a keynote speaker at the big architects and engineers convention in Las Vegas in a couple of weeks. So not only, you know, of course he's going to mention the millions of dollars that he wasted on impractical and superficial projects here, but not mention that he left us with the bill and a crumbling city infrastructure. But I bet you he's going to have this book, he's going to have copies to autograph, and he's going to wave it around, and he's not even going to mention what a fiasco the whole book turned out to be. Jeremy Harris, you know, if anyone's in Vegas or if anyone's an architect, I'd really love to get a report from the scene. As for the home front, uh, well, you know, the in-laws have left. They may return, however, as soon as Christmas. There's a cold going around now. Everyone went to bed early tonight, and no doubt I'm going to get hit next. Uh, but really the biggest news here in the Hawaii Up household is that, well, that I got Jen the most romantic Mother's Day gift ever. A minivan. Okay, so it's not that romantic, uh, you know, but with three kids and a 14-year-old Ford Taurus, something was going to give soon. So on Saturday, while we were driving to Costco in Waipio, we noticed on the Tony Auto Mall lot across the street there was the minivan on sale for like uh, 2900 bucks, I think. Now, you need to understand that I always shop at the shallow end of the pool. I don't ever expect to own a new car. My first car cost $300. My second car was a 79 Oldsmobile, my favorite one. Um, then a 1984 Nissan, my current car, a 95 Caravan. It was the newest car I've ever owned, and it was five years old when I bought it. So, you know, you get the idea. So anyway, we went over to check out this van, and of course it was a heap, a uh, hundred-something thousand miles, parts missing everywhere, and Jen said it smelled funny. Uh, but, you know, lo and behold, two cars down was a 2000 Pontiac Montana, and it was uh, it was perfect, clean, good-smelling, air conditioning, two sliding doors, which was one of Jen's biggest criteria, uh, power everything, 70,000 miles. Jen was interested. We took it for a test drive, and it, it really seemed great, except, except there was this strange sound, kind of buzzing sound coming from the right front. Now, uh, the sales guy, Ken, he heard it too, so we figured, you know, maybe it was a mud flap or something just touching the tire. So when we got back, we felt around, but we couldn't find anything. So that was enough to to give us pause and Jen said maybe not and they said they'd check into it so we just left but I tell you Jen didn't stop thinking or talking about the van all night and the next day she said why don't you go back and look 
So, you know, the folks at Tony were just as eager to put those keys in my hand that day, too. So I was very careful. I really was. Ken wasn't in, so I got a new sales guy. His name was Ryan. And I made sure he knew about the sound. He took it for a little drive right there in the parking lot. He heard the sound. You know, I asked what he was going to do about it, you know. Good news, he said. This car is certified. This car is is warrantied. You know, uh, it's 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 under seventy five thousand miles. It's less than five years old, so it qualifies. And there's all the fine print. I made sure that 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 big sticker we all know here that has either as is or limited warranty. I made sure that limited warranty was checked. You know, so I read all the fine print, and uh, you know, he said just take the van and make an appointment with the service department. So, okay, I'll take the van. I suffered through that totally aggravating, humiliating, unnecessary ritual of fixing a price. You know, let me check with my manager. I'll be right back. Here's what we can do. What can you do to help us out? Yada, yada, yada. I hate that. I hate that crap. Um, but I went through it. This was for Jen, for the kids. I signed on the dotted line. I brought that van home, and uh, it went nowhere until they were ready to give us a service appointment. That was yesterday. So I took the van down yesterday and waited. You know what's coming, right? I get the call. So what was the problem? Worn hub bearings. Hmm. $700. Wait a minute. What about the warranty? And the service guy goes, uh, you better talk to sales. So I do. You know, boy, do I. Uh, the wheels in my head started turning, I tell you. And uh, when I walked onto that lot yesterday, I had a brain full of names and facts and a pocket full of a voice recorder. And the dance began, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I tell you, as a guy who knows and loves many journalists, I know that a whole profession can sometimes get an... I don't know, bad rap, an unfair reputation because of a few bad apples. I know lots of great reporters. I know lots of caring lawyers, believe it or not. But car salesmen, you know, jumping, Jesus on a pogo stick, man. Every single stereotype of that particular species was reinforced last night. I swear to God. Yeah, actually, I was furious and disgusted for five minutes. For the rest of that three-hour ordeal, I was actually having a hard time keeping myself from breaking out into maniacal laughter. It was so ridiculous. It was actually funny. So I talked to the Miles, the sales guy. I knew he was where it was all going to come to a head. Was the van certified? Yes. Was the van warrantied? Yes. When did the noise start? On the lot. When your salesman heard it. Two of them heard it. Oh, but a hub bearing. That's wear and tear. You know, it's like tire and brakes. I I don't think so, Miles. You know, does the service manual say to change my hub bearings every 10,000 miles? This part in the warranty about drivetrain and axles and internal parts, does that not include the hub? You know, what does bumper to bumper mean? Uh, okay, tell you what. Here, talk to this guy. Oh, he's not in. How about that guy? No, I'll, I'll talk to the manager. No, let's wait for your salesman. You know, what did he say? Did he promise you this? Did he say that? What were his exact words? Uh, you know, oh, great. Now we're going to do he said, she said. So I wander around the lot because the salesman is mysteriously unavailable. I start talking to other salesmen. One salesman says to me, you know, the profit margin on used cars is so low, maybe $50 for that car. So it's an issue because, you know, they're going to lose money if they fix it. Another salesman says to me, we make a killing on used cars. We make more money on used cars than on the new cars. This is the same lot, same company, same night. Both of those facts are given to me. And then it gets weirder. Uh, turns out your car wasn't certified. It wasn't warrantied. But you said it was. Yeah, I know. I don't know what's going on. Even the paperwork, the stuff you gave me, says it's warrantied. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you're a little stuck. I mean, they, they knew it was a condition of the sale, that I was worried about the noise, and 
And the guy said, I know who to talk to. I know how to get things. I know how to get my way if something comes up. Well, folks, something came up. You know, this is a straightforward repair on a used van for a geek dad and his wife and his three kids. How is this even worth arguing about? You know, I I don't even want to know how they mess with folks who are going to blow $70,000 on a brand new car, you know. I mean, the guy said, if this was a cheaper repair, it'd be no problem. But it's a problem because it's an expensive fix. Sorry, guys, wrong. The cost of the repair shouldn't be the criteria used to determine what the word warranty means. You know, you would have lucked out if it was a bent mud flap or a rubber thing touching the tire, but it isn't. And I feel for you. I do. But I told the guy, you know, moments after I walked in here, it would have been a breeze just to do the right thing. You know, forget bickering over legal documents and oral promises and who said what. Just do the right thing. I mean, for all the time we spent going in circles, talking to managers, talking to salespeople, I, I think that I cost them $700 just just going through that. Anyway, you know, the sales guy, Ryan, he said he'd see what he could do, and I think he was a bit stuck. Um, so although I wasn't hopeful, I left it in his hands for the night. I actually met up with Ken, the guy I demoed the car with, the guy I drove it with, and uh, he was really, you know, he really felt for me, and or at least he says he did, and uh, we drove all around the lot in his little famous uh, golf cart there, and he really opened my eyes, I think, to the politics that go on on that big, shiny auto mall. You know, I went home, I was shaking my head, I, I was just, uh, one, I couldn't believe that uh, all of these little fiefdoms within a single company could hate each other so much, and also I was pretty much resigned to losing, you know, I'm not, I was already thinking, okay, I got screwed, what am I going to do about it? <sighs> so where are things now? Well, you know, they just called this afternoon, and they said they were going to fix it. Good news, you know. I, I personally won't believe a thing or celebrate until I get the van back and it's sitting in our garage without me having whipped out a credit card. But maybe, just maybe, I'll come out of this only slightly molested, not totally, totally screwed. I tell you, you know, I was actually starting to look forward to getting turned down and starting round two. You know, letters, complaints to the Better Business Bureau, Lemon Law inquiries with the state attorney general, action line on TV, cuckoo line in the paper, and of course, inventing the first anti-advertisement on a podcast. Uh, a little 15-second segment in every show where I could say, Now I'd like to take a moment to tell you about the Tony Group Autoplex. Stay the hell away! <sighs> but, you know, I guess, no, no fun like that for me. Um, they're gonna straighten it out after a good fight. Uh, I'm sure they enjoyed themselves. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, if you want to buy a car, but uh, you demand inconsistent service and an unceasing devotion to fine print and loopholes, if you want to work with folks who'll do what they want and uh, not what they should, if you believe the customer comes second or third or somewhere in the top ten, check out the Tony Group Autoplex in YPO. Tell them Ryan sent you. Okay. Uh, okay, I've I've seriously gone over my rambling and ranting quota, so without further ado, let's get to the music. This song is by a group called Polly, led by a great guy named Polly Kaaihue. They're still riding high on their latest album, In Harmony, getting a lot of radio play, but this song is from their self-titled debut a few years back. The song is called Ku'u Aloha, My Love. It's written and performed by Polly himself, and it's about declaring one's devotion to that special someone, even when life conspires to keep you apart. Ku'u Aloha, or My Love, by Polly. It's about three minutes long. Enjoy. Me amo el la... 
Aloha by Polly from their self-titled first album and you can learn a lot more about this great group at polly.net and you can also buy their latest album in harmony at amazon.com I'll have those links for you in the show notes at hawaiiup.com before uh, I move on I did want to say congratulations to Polly by the way for being picked by local ABC affiliate KITV to do their island television theme song as uh, the station tries to move away from the cookie-cutter mainland look that all the stations here seem to have and return to a more local Hawaiian spirit. Okay, let's check in with the wife. It's time for The Pith of Pop, the podcast edition with my beautiful wife, Jen. Thanks for joining us, Jen. Hi. So what's on your mind this week? The last episode of Lost that was on. Oh, still on your mind, huh? Yeah. Well, what did you think? Well, you know, I know the way that shows are made and necessitates breaks. You know, they can't film a whole bunch of episodes. Uh, the reruns that they slip in between the new episodes. Right. You know, this it's coming to a point where things are starting to come to a head. This was supposed to be a very pivotal episode where things get answered. But, you know, with the one month on, one month off thing... It's kind of not the same. I don't know if losing interest would be the right well, phrase I mean, for there's it. There's definitely an issue of lost momentum. There were definitely large breaks uh, between the sections of episodes, and I guess you're saying that um, having the last three kind of uh, separated from the main body is a little dis- distracting? I, I, it is, because you're supposed to still feel really bad that Boone is gone. You're supposed to get the sense that the characters are mourning and that things have changed. That's right, but it was like three weeks ago that he died. Right, and this last episode took place pretty much right after Boone's death and I just, it, it doesn't have that same feeling as if they had run, you know, a whole bunch of them back to back, like the whole season. You know what, actually, now that you mention it, I did notice 
this uh, week's episode literally picked up at, in the scene that ended the last, the previous new episode. So it's kind of weird that usually episode to episode, you really don't know how much time has elapsed between them, so you can kind of allow for that. But this one really tried to pick right up, and uh, ironically, it had a three-week um, hiatus before you got to see it. Right. But mostly, you know, they did answer a couple of questions, one being who conked Saeed on the head. Yeah, and we also learned why Saeed was on the plane with everybody else. Right. And, you know, I really like Naveen Andrews. I think he's a good actor. Absolutely. I mean, he's, uh, I agree. And in this episode, uh, Naveen Andrews and uh, Terry O'Quinn's character, Locke, had a really good, uh, had a really good interaction, even though it was adversarial. I kind of liked it. Yeah, they worked they worked really well together and you didn't see much of it this week but you know um Jin and Michael who started off hating each other are starting to develop it looks like almost a friendship you know they're they're collaborating very well I think also one of the big developments this week was uh you can see there will be I believe like we predicted earlier when we were talking that um there will be, I think, a Locke faction and a Jack faction because there was a, sort of a moment where they locked eyes in this episode and it didn't look like they were going to be allies anymore. No, probably not. So it looks like that the uh, raft is going to factor heavily into the last two episodes. Right. Um, there's probably going to be a lot of jockeying for position. Yeah, right now people are wanting to be voted off the island. And... Uh, I, I mentioned earlier that I saw the raft under construction, and I see in the previews it's starting to look like what I saw on the side of the road there on Nimitz Highway, so I'm very excited. And, of course, I got some scuttlebutt a couple of weeks ago about what might happen to this raft, so I'm very interested. And we also got a hint that we're going to get another uh, jab in the ribs about Michael's son's Walter's uh, place in the cosmos on this island. Right. And we saw the why. That's right. Um, you know... One of our favorite parts about watching Lost, obviously, is to see what scenes and areas around Honolulu get to play really exotic foreign cities. So our friend Saeed went to go meet his friend at the mosque, which just happens to be the YWCA on Richard Street. Where our daughter took swimming lessons. Yeah, and in fact, if you look closely, you can see the pool there. So that was kind of cool. Do you remember what else was in this episode? There, there was a building you said that you recognized that it was doubling as Heathrow Airport? Oh, the Heathrow Airport. I think that that was uh, like the Pacific Tower on uh, Bishop Street, one of the two towers there. I just Something about that marble wall. For, oh, and also, actually, and I can see that might be it, because in the scene where Saeed's trying to talk his friend into doing performing the mission, they're sitting in an outdoor courtyard. That is Tamarind Square or Tamarind Park, I guess, which is also at the corner of Bishop and South Kings. So that was kind of cool. Yes, it was. So is there uh, anything else about, oh, well, uh, what's coming up Friday? Oh, uh, 2020, there, I guess Elizabeth Vargas is going to be interviewing the whole cast and talking about the show. And she actually asks Boone, you know, how he felt when uh, he had to get killed off. So we'll be watching that. Yeah, we will. It's already on our TiVo. So more Living in Lost Land here. Uh, just two more episodes to go. Wednesday nights on ABC. Don't miss it. We certainly won't. Thanks for joining us, Jen. My pleasure. It's a beautiful day here in Waikiki. I am on Kalakaua Avenue, two blocks of which have been blocked off for the annual Waikiki Spam Jam, a celebration of that luncheon meat that locals love. The street is packed with locals who love Spam and, of course, hundreds of tourists who are probably wondering what the hell is going on. I'm here with the family and I'm here to eat 
Jen is quite relieved to find that not every dish contains Spam, but I'm here for the Spam. So let's take a walk around and see what's on the menu. Three Star Restaurant probably proclaims the banner for Robert's Famous Ribs. And there's a number of dishes on the menu, but only one that I can see that's got Spam in it. Spam fried rice. So this is definitely the booth for Jen. We've got hibachi chicken, western combo, barbecue pork ribs, and smoked sausages. Oh, all combinations of that. Baked salmon over fettuccine pasta, short ribs and hibachi chicken. Everything that uh, you might want to eat. Now here at the Radisson Waikiki Prince Kuhio, these folks have got the spirit. The menu includes chipotle pulled pork and spam quesadilla. We have hibachi smoked chicken with spam salsa and reconstructed spam chicken Gordon Blue. Here at Leo's Tavern, healthy home of healthy Greek food. Again, lots of non-spam dishes, chicken wrap, Greek salad, gyro salads. But we do have some spam dishes, including spam flakes, although it looks like they just sold out of their $2.50 spam musubi. You know, it must have been a really good musubi if it's a $2.50 spam musubi. Now this is what I'm talking about. I'm at the Renaissance Ilikai Waikiki Hotel booth and we have spicy spam poke. And of course for dessert, halpia mousse. Uh, yeah, it's a crispy fried nori with the uh, pokey style spam, sushi rice, pickled ginger, and uh, a little bit of uh, green onion. And I don't, I don't presume this is on your regular menu at the Ilikai. No. Is this your creation? Yeah. Excellent. Is this entered? Is that entered in a contest or anything, or no? Just offered for love. Yeah, we wanted to do something that was a little different. Then. So you, that's pokey styled spam. Yep. So it's in. Uh, Who would have thought of that? Does it have salmon or or uh, just tomatoes and what what makes no, it poke? Well, it's uh, it's it's uh, sautéed with ginger, onions. Green onions, uh, garlic, shoyu, uh, yeah, little okay. chili sauce. Oh, all right. So it's, it's got some of the uh, traditional pokey style ingredients. That's great. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. So, Zach, how are you liking the Waikiki Spam Jam? I'm good. Did you like the flaky dough spam thing from the Greek tavern? Hey, Katie, what did you like about the Spam Jam? Oh, I don't know. Um, maybe that, um, that 
a triangle thing. Yeah. Oh, the quesadilla with spam and pulled pork? Uh, no, that on it. Oh, you also like the flaky dough spam from Leo's Tavern. Yeah. Okay, the pumpkin. You put the Okay, so there you have it from the annual Waikiki Spam Jam on Kalakau Avenue in Waikiki. Now, as I mentioned at the start of the show, this is Hawaii Up show number 10. Uh, so I figured I'd celebrate this totally arbitrary geek milestone by having a little trivia contest. I've got 10 questions for show number 10, and you should be able to answer them if you've been listening to Hawaii Up for a while. And actually, if you haven't, you can always get past shows at HawaiiUp.com. And whoever gets the most answers to me before or on May 12th, that's next Thursday, will win a little prize. And, you know, uh, if you're the only one who plays, if you only answer one question, you still win. So uh, the prize will be a cheesy Hawaii Up t-shirt, 100% cotton, tagless white Hanes with an iPod on the front and my uh, iPod shadow ad spoof in the back with the hula girl. So uh, that's the prize, and actually there might be more. Uh, given the Spam Jam, I think I might see if I can find one of those limited edition Spam cans uh, for Hawaii, and if I can, I'll include that as well. So uh, that's the prize. Here are the ten questions. And remember, if you can't get to them now, you can listen to this show right on the com website and jump to the end where this part is and hear the questions and type them into an email and send them off. So here we go. Question number one, in which Honolulu neighborhood do I live? Question number two, where is my wife Jennifer from? Question number three, where did my wife and I meet? And I know I've mentioned that far too many times. Uh, Number four, what are the names of my three kids? Number five, in what religious faith are Jen and I trying to raise our kids? You know, it's basically the opposite of how I characterize my spiritual beliefs. So how are we going to raise the kids? Question number six, where on the big island is my family from on my mother's side? Uh, and a hint, it's the same town where slack-key virtuoso John Chiave lives, and we heard him on a previous show. Question number seven, you know, we talk about ABC's Lost a lot. Uh, so who did Jen predict was going to be the first major character to bite the bullet? Question number eight, who is the politician that I love to hate? And, you know, a small hint here, I just talked about him at the start of the show. Question number nine is a little harder. How do I characterize my political outlook? Now, this is a tricky one because people are starting to tell me that I'm not what I say I am, especially based on what I've been saying on this show. But basically, do I label myself a conservative or a liberal? And, uh, you know, I think I'm actually going to tackle this question in a future show. And finally, question number 10. What does the show name Hawaii Up mean? So that's a lot of questions, I know, and they're all about me. And uh, But, well, so is the show. So you don't have to answer all of them. Take on as many as you like and send your answers to comments at hawaiiup.com. Again, by, by May 12th, that's next Thursday. And whoever has the most correct or whoever's the first with answers to all ten, you know, heaven forbid, gets a hawaiiup.com t-shirt and a spam can if I can find one. Who knows what else? I'll, I'll make something up. And with that, boy, is it ever time to say goodnight. Mahalo and really mahalo. Thank you for hanging in there through this uh, ranty edition of HawaiiUp.com. Malama Pono, please take care. Until we meet again, ah, uh, hui ho.